Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome in to a weekend overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. Toby Altizer with you here from our Half Street Studios here in the Navy Yard in the District of Columbia. Beautiful Saturday afternoon. It's crazy to think that we're almost to October already. We're already to week four of the NFL season. It feels like it just started, Mike. It feels like it just started, and yet we're already enough that we're almost to the quarter mark of the season. Yeah, man, time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, and I almost am like, can we rewind it a little bit? Because I feel like I didn't cherish the first three weeks enough. And we've still got plenty of football left, but when we're sitting here in March, and we, we're we not having any football to talk about, I'm going to be missing these weeks where we can break it all down. So I'm so happy we can be in here talking about football. we got college football going on right now. USC beating Colorado 48-27 to right now. Colorado trying to make a comeback. They got a pick off Caleb Williams on the last drive, the first turnover Caleb Williams has had all year. But don't worry, he's had six touchdown passes, so he's all right. Again, Toby Altizer with you up until Nationals baseball later today here on The Fan. The Nationals finally got to win number 70, which if you listen to the podcast I do with Grant Paulson, Bustin' Loose Baseball on the Odyssey app, you know how important that was to me because that was the one milestone that I just needed to see at the end of the year. And it took a little bit longer than I would have liked, but I wanted to see that 70 win mark because that just seems like something you can look back on and see the clear growth. Like something that you can look back on if they would have finished with 68 wins, you might have gone, well, you know, was it just a season that we kind of overhyped some things and really they weren't all that great? But 70 wins clearly marks an improvement over what you saw last season and a big step in the right direction. So Good for the Nationals. They'll look to improve on that as they continue their last series of the season against the Atlanta Braves tonight. But I want to get into some football discussion. We'll get into the NFL as a whole. Tyler Dunn from Go Long TD is going to join us coming up at 545. I want to get his thoughts on the NFL in general. Are the Dolphins for real? Like, Is this something that they're going to be able to continue doing? Obviously, 70 points on a team. You can't be a joke. You can't be a fraud. But is this something when they go up against Buffalo this week that they can continue to do where they're putting up 30 every single week? We'll talk with him coming up at 545. And I do want to sneak in a little NBA talk with my guy Bart Winkler from out in Wisconsin, get his thoughts on the Damian Lillard trade. I mean, it's crazy that the NBA season's approaching quickly. Training camps are going to be starting up here soon. It's crazy to think that we're already getting close to that part of the year, but I want to get his thoughts on the Damian Lillard trade as well as talk with him about college football and what's going on with Green Bay Packers in the NFL. So we'll get into all that. Bart Winkler will join us next segment, but I definitely want to get into commander's talk today. I, I went through yesterday and 
I went and watched the whole game back, and I watched it from the All-22 to get the best vantage points. And I looked at all nine sacks. I looked at all four interceptions. And I gave, like, a blame score. Look, I'm an untrained guy. I'm not someone that played in the NFL, obviously. So you can take it for what it's worth. But we're going to go over that at 3.30. Whose fault were the sacks? Was it all Sam Howell's fault on the interceptions? That's coming up at 3.30. What changes do I want to see this week out of the Commanders? That's coming up at 4 o'clock. We'll look around the NFL coming up at 5 and then wrapping up the show in the 6 o'clock hour. We'll get into the keys to a win in Philadelphia. But I talked a little bit about this yesterday leading up to the Nationals game in my brief like 20 minutes leading up to the Nationals game. But I want to start here. Like This is a team right now that if you look at them, they're still 2-1. and one. And even if they lose this week in Philly, hopefully not in an embarrassing fashion like last week at FedEx, but if they lose this week, they're still going to be 2-2. Two and two. And you can dismiss the first two wins. You can dismiss the Arizona win. Dallas just lost to Arizona. I, I hate when people do this where they put teams in lose-lose scenarios. Where they put their team in a purposeful lose-lose scenario. Like Washington goes out there. They don't look the best. I understand. But they find a way to get a win in week one against Arizona. And people just discount it as, well, that's the Cardinals. But if they would have lost that game, everybody would have sounded the alarms. So don't put your team in a lose-lose scenario. They won a football game against another NFL football team. There are hardly any teams in NFL history that haven't won at least one game. So every single time you go out there and you find a way to win against a team in the National Football League, it means something. Even if the team isn't very good, it still means something. You go into Denver, week two. You can discount that win. They still put up 35 points. Now their opponent the next week put up 70. But I think we all understand that this offense isn't anywhere close to what the Dolphins are running. But at the same point, you can discount these wins if you want. And then you can look at the losses or loss right now. Possibly a loss, plural, if they lose tomorrow. You can look at it and say, well, that's who they really are. You know, it's probably somewhere in the middle, to be honest. But if you look at their schedule coming up, They've got an opportunity still ahead of them to be in a really good spot basically halfway through the season. So you're going to Philly tomorrow. And it's just such a funny week that we've had this week where they are a 2-1 and football team. They've not, maybe not looked as impressive, but neither is Philly going into this game. And I feel like I have the least amount of confidence I've ever had in this team going into a game. It's just kind of what I feel. It, it feels like they're going to get dominated up front on both sides. And so it's just been an odd feeling where this is a team with a winning record and it just feels like they're almost 0-3. Like, I've had games where I've gone in maybe and felt like there wasn't a chance. I think back to the Buccaneer playoff game with Heineke starting at quarterback. You kind of just felt like there's no chance and maybe that's what made that game so much fun. You felt like there was no chance and they actually felt like they had a chance in the game. But it just feels like going up to Philly on Sunday, you don't have a bunch of much of a chance. But at the same point... This is a team that went into Philadelphia last year when the Eagles were the best team in football at that point, and they found a way to go up there and win. And so I'm interested to see how they go up there and bounce back from the blowout at FedEx Field last week. And there are things that are fixable, and that's why I think it's so crazy the feeling that a lot of us have in the area as fans of this team is 
It just feels like there's no hope. But then you go back and watch last week, and that whole game could have changed on just a couple of plays, even though it was a 37-3 to final outcome. What if they punch it in from the two or the one-yard line on the drive that they end up turning it over on downs at the one? What if they punch it in there? There's seven points. What if Sam Howell doesn't throw a couple picks going in towards the Buffalo red zone? There's maybe at least 10 more points or somewhere around there. And then it's a totally different ball game. What if Gibson doesn't fumble? You know, it was a 16 to nothing game going into the fourth quarter. So the scoreboard looks a lot worse than it actually was. But at the same point, I don't want to try and take moral victories from a complete butt whooping last week. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I guess what I'm trying to say here as we go into this game is this team isn't in a horrible spot. And even if they go up to Philadelphia tomorrow and don't play well and lose, they're still in an advantageous spot in the national in the NFC because you've got the Bears coming to town on Thursday next week, a short week. So if everything goes poorly against Philly, you'd like to have some positive vibes, but if nothing else, you just flush that, you're on the Chicago, and hopefully you win that game and you can kind of get rid of the stank of the Bills and Eagles games. Then you've got the Falcons on the road. That's a winnable football game coming off a long week. You've got the Giants after that in New York. And then you got Philly again. But that's a three-game stretch after this Philly game that I think are all winnable games. The Bears, the Falcons, and the Giants. I think all those are winnable football games, especially the Bears on Thursday night. You've got to find a way to win that game. But the Falcons... I talked about this in the offseason. It really frustrated me how people talked about the Falcons and how people talked about this football team. They talked about them in the same way and that they said the defense was good, they liked the playmakers, and then when they bring up quarterback with the Falcons, it was like, well, yeah, I think it'll be all right. And then they bring up quarterback with the commanders, and they'd say, well, I I just don't think Sam Howell's going to have it. And I don't understand how people got that between Ritter and Howell. So we'll see. I mean... Early on, you can take your pick. Howell obviously was very bad last week. I think he was okay in the first two games. Ritter, I think, has been subpar in every game for the most part, but they've found a way to win some football games. But either way, that's a measuring stick game against a team that's not that great. Maybe they can win their division, but that's because their division's pretty poor. But you can beat the Falcons and then the Giants. And I think if you're looking at a team in the division that you almost have to put a star beside because of what happened last season. It's the Giants. Obviously, you want to beat Philly. They're the best team in the division. Obviously, you want to beat Dallas because it's the Dallas Cowboys. But if you think back to last season, who's the team that just ruined your entire season in back-to-back games for you on your schedule? The New York Giants. So I would think that next season or this season, they're going to roll in wanting to beat up on the New York Giants. So I think that that's is a team that you can look forward to beating because they're not as good as they were last year. I think that they are definitely beatable, especially with Saquon still dealing with injuries. They're paying Daniel Jones way too much money for a guy that is kind of a liability. They still don't have wide receivers. Darren Waller has not been nearly the player that he was when he was with the Raiders so far with the Giants. So I think if you look at this, There's an opportunity that this team still has ahead of them where if they go up to Philly and maybe don't play the best or if they lose that game and if they play well, you could still find yourself at 5-2, and 4-3, and and still be in a good spot before the next Philly game in Week 7 or Week 8. I really think that you look at this team and they've got a good opportunity, so they need to find a way 
to build off of that Bills game. And I like the attitude that you heard from Terry McLaurin, that you heard from Sam Howell, that you heard from the coaching staff. You know, usually you'd have a game like that and guys would say, ah, just flush it. You know, I was I was a stinker all around. We didn't play our game. Just move on. On to next week. Figure out what we can be better at, but don't really dwell on it. And the guys in the locker room said, no, we need to go watch it. That happened, and we need to build off of it and learn ways that we can be better so that doesn't happen again. I love that mentality. I love it. Now it's about going out there and proving that you learn from it. Sam, get rid of the ball. Stop holding on to it for forever. Offensive line, block better, please. Pick up the guys that you need to pick up. Receivers need to catch the ball. DBs need to make plays. Defensive line needs to get pressure on the quarterback and contain the quarterback. Plenty of things for them to improve on. And I think they've got a big opportunity in front of them this week. And even if they don't come away with a victory, I think that they can build off of what happened last week, build on it this week, and get rolling into a three-game stretch with three winnable football games, and they could find themselves in a really good spot going into the second half of the season. All right, let's hit a break. When we come back, Bart Winkler of the Bart Winkler Show podcast. You can also hear him on CBS Sports Radio is going to join us. I want to get his thoughts on the Damian Lillard trade as well as some thoughts on the NFL as a whole. We'll talk with him next here on Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Overtime 106.7 The Fan. Toby Altizer with you up until Nationals Baseball. We'll turn it over to them around 6.45 this evening right here on 106.7 The Fan. Obviously plenty of football to talk about, but basketball's inching up closer and closer. And normally I just say, forget about it, football's on. But there was a huge trade this week that we have to discuss it with. And no one better to do that with than Bart Winkler. He joins us on the BetQL guest hotline now. Bart, has it set in yet that Damian Lillard is a Milwaukee Buck? How can it? Uh, no. So there's this uh, down at Pfizer Forum today, downtown Milwaukee. They're introducing Damian Lillard. And uh, I know a guy who's down there. I'm texting with him, and he's 
you know, showing me pictures and stuff. And then we, you get like into these conversations about the Bucks and what Damian Lillard can bring and it, whatever. You go so far down a path, and then you like both freeze, and you remind yourself, uh, we're talking about Damian Lillard being a Milwaukee Buck, and the, the reason why it's so surreal is because obviously they also have Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, if, if Giannis was going to get to the point where, all right, we might have to trade him, what can we get in return, you would hope and pray that you could get someone like a Damian Lillard back or something. You got both of these guys at the same team on the same time. It, it was going to be a regular season that, you know, we, you know it was going to be a good regular season, but, like, going through the motions, let's get to the playoffs, whatever. Now every night is going to be an electric show, um, whatever that means, but it's just going to be fun. It's, it's going to be – it's just, it's unbelievable. It's, it's really unbelievable. Talking with Bart Winkler, you can hear his Bart Winkler Show podcast. You can also hear him on CBS Sports Radio from time to time. I figure today would be a day that you'd usually be doing CBS Sports Radio, Bart. Yeah, I don't want to get into specifics. I got to do some other dumb job I have. <laughs> uh, I would love to be on the national pipelines right now, but to talk to you, I mean, what a, what a consolation prize that is. <laughs> so in the Eastern Conference now, or maybe even just in the entire NBA, is it the Bucks and then everyone else? Because it just feels like they've been very good, obviously, with Giannis and Chris and Drew, but now you add in a legitimate number two scorer, maybe even a 1A, 1B scenario with Giannis and Dame. It just feels like they've got to be the favorites now. Well, I think so, and I think that's pretty obvious. I think it's Bucks and, I mean, Nuggets. Like the, what the Nuggets did last year they're a almost perfectly built team. Uh, you know, I know they lose Bruce Brown. We'll see, you know, what pieces are going to, you know, fit for them. But they're they're still like they have a superstar and they built around him. And I think the Bucks had done that. The problem is you would get into the playoffs, and as good as the point guards has been have been in Milwaukee, there's been times where playoff wise, offensively, they have struggled. Going back to Eric Bledsoe, uh, even with Drew Holiday a little bit. So now they've got a guy who is as guaranteed of a bucket as you're going to find in the league, and it's going to be great pick-and-roll action. It's going to be just great, like, basketball with Giannis Adetokounmpo. I mean, I think the, the if you made basketball in a lab, you would want Giannis Adetokounmpo paired up with Steph Curry. That is never going to happen. This is, like, the second-best outcome to have Dame Lillard and Giannis be teammates. And for you know, 82 games, playoff run, and all that stuff. So this is this is great. I think they should be the favorites. I know that there's a lot of weird national discourse uh, that you know I'm going to rally against. It's like nobody's ever complained about Damian Lillard's defense his entire career, and he gets traded to Milwaukee, and and people are trying to tell you that the Bucks got worse. I don't understand. I think everybody's scared. I mean, you don't want the title to be cited, decided and. September. I'm not saying that it is, but the Bucks have to be the clear front runner to win an NBA championship. Denver is in there. I would put them in there, but like Lakers, Suns, Celtics, they're clearly in the next tier. It's it's the Bucks. They've got two top 75 players of all time. They've got a hungry Giannis. They've got an even hungrier Dame. I, I don't know how they're not the favorite, honestly. Yeah, I agree on that. And I, last one here on this before we get into some football discussion. 
Is there any concern, or is it just all completely outweighed by the fact that you have Damian Lillard now? Because, yes, you've seen the discourse about the defense and various things, but is there anything that would say, like, okay, this is the one thing that might worry me, or is it just Damian Lillard's on the Milwaukee Bucks now? Who cares? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that some, but, like, the Bucks' defense was so good last year, right? And that's that's what we're that's what we're moving on from. Didn't Jimmy Butler score fifty on the Bucks like without sweating? I mean, I, I remember I remember the Miami Heat caring for the Milwaukee Bucks, and the, the Bucks had you know three guys that could make an All Defense team. So I, I don't know. I think that I, I think that any concern is very nitpicky. This team is absolutely loaded. Um, they'll find out who starts at the two, whether it's Malik Beasley or rumors that maybe Cameron Payne will sign. Middleton's your third option. That's insane. Brooke Lopez is still here with another career renaissance. Don't forget about him. Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton. You've got great bench guys. Um, you've got some young guys, like some of the guys they drafted can come in and play a spell. Marjan Bochamp. Like, they are deeper. It's not like, you know, sometimes these, these teams get built, Toby, and it's like three guys and then eight guys on a vet min. That's not what this Bucks team is. The way that John Horse was able to maneuver this trade, the GM in Milwaukee, is incredible. There's this article that uh, Woj wrote for ESPN. He basically he basically was talking to the Blazers in secret all summer, and then the Suns didn't know that they were a part of the Bucks deal until like 30 minutes before it went down. It, it, it's pure craftsmanship from the general manager. They gave up picks 25 years from now. They gave up a player, Grayson Allen, who doesn't play, not that great. So they did a masterful job here. So any concerns, I think, are people like just trying to. I think it's I think it's a bunch of gobbledygook. <laughs> Talking with Bart Winkler here on 106.7 The Fan. You can never hear him on said the... that word before. Was it me? Yeah, I don't know. I, no idea. I think you used it correctly. You can hear him on the Bart Winkler Show podcast, CBS Sports Radio. And if you couldn't guess, he's obviously based out in Wisconsin. So the Packers played the Lions the other night, and. I've thought the Packers might have a chance, but maybe not. So I guess this is a two-folded question. Do you feel like the Lions are legit in the NFC, and are the Packers going to be able to get things going in the right direction after they've had a solid start, but they've kind of been faltering lately? I saw one guy um, on Twitter. He made this, like, you know how when you're proud of something that you do, you make, like, a minute clip of it and tweet it? You know, we've we've all done it. Yeah, absolutely. His big hot take was, um, I have no idea who this is, so I don't even know who I'm ripping on. But his big, his, he's like, guys, I'm going to say something shocking. And I know it's week four, but I'm going to say it. The Lions have won the NFC North. And I was like, bro, everyone's saying that. The, 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 Lions, had, like, the Lions are the best team in the division. They're clearly a superior team than Green Bay. And then the other two teams in the division are terrible. <laughs> wow, big shocking claim there. I think the Lions are the real deal. Uh, they they should win that division. I'll, okay, I'll say they will uh, win that division. And then where do they rank with the Cowboys? Where do they rank with the Eagles and the Niners? That is what we're going to figure out as the year goes on. For the Packers, I think that they're going to settle into, like they're going to beat teams that are bad and they're going to lose the teams that are good. They are a young team. They have a lot of like growing process. Uh, and pains to go through, and not just the quarterback. Like, everybody thought this was going to be a growing pain year with Jordan Love, and there's still things that he's going to need to work on. Matt LaFleur mentioned, you know, take 
take the check down or, or take the take the completion. Don't pass up a completion and take another completion. So maybe some decisiveness, you know. But I, I think I've been very impressed with, with Jordan Love. It's that everybody else is also insanely young and insanely raw. So it's a whole team thing. And, and a young team like that, they're going to be down 17 and they're going to win a game in the fourth quarter. And a young team like that, they're going to get blown out from start to finish. So it's going to be you never know what you're going to get with this team. I still pencil them in for eight, nine wins. Playoffs certainly possible. There's enough talent there. It's just working through the mistakes. But, yeah, in that division, I mean, it's clearly the Lions for sure. Two more for you here. So keeping it with the NFL, the Miami Dolphins have been spectacular to start the season. And I think some people like them going into the year after what they saw last season, but I don't think anyone liked them this much. It's only been a couple weeks, but do they deserve to be in the conversation already with the Bills and the Chiefs? And I mean, the Bengals are faltering, but are they up there or maybe even the top of the AFC at this point? Well, I think with Miami, you know, when people would do their predictions for the uh, AFC, I, I still think the Bills are very good. And that's why, like, tomorrow's game is going to be awesome. Uh, I, I have no idea what the outcome is going to be. You could tell me any outcome, and I'd believe it. You could tell me Miami by 15. You could tell me Buffalo by 15. Miami by two. Buffalo. I, I'd believe it. Uh, anything can happen. I think Buffalo's defense is a lot better than people are talking about. Washington clearly seeing that. <laughs> Recently, I still think that Josh Allen's week one was a little more of an anomaly. But Miami's got an offense that just put up 70 points. And you can't, uh, you know, you have to take that seriously. And I don't think that's, like, fluky. I think they are that good. The whole thing with Miami was people wanted to buy into them. It was always, well, if two is going to stay healthy. And two has stayed healthy so far, and he looks like an MVP. So I think you can buy into Miami. I still uh, think there's some teams that are trying to get their legs under them, like the Bengals. You know, Ravens, I think, need to be a little better offensively. Um, so there's, you know, there's, there's teams that, you know, for three weeks, I think you can determine who some good teams are. You can determine who some bad teams are. There's still some teams trying to, like, figure that out. And I think we will learn a lot this weekend, uh, that Miami-Buffalo game, a big one. Talking with Bart Winkler from the Bart Winkler Show podcast. You can also hear him on CBS Sports Radio. Last one here for you, talking about college football Colorado trailing late here, 48-34 to behind USC. Do you think the Coach Prime stuff will go away, at least for the rest of this year, if they lose this football game, which it looks like? Or is this something that, you know, it's going to stick around the rest of this year, it's going to get even more heightened as he continues to get more recruits? Or is this something that's going to die down? I think, like, in terms of it taking over the, the nation, where it's the dominant story, like, uh, like how Taylor Swift is now in the <laughs> NFL, I think that I don't know that we reach that point again until, you know, maybe they have a season, assuming he's there for a while, where they're 6 and 0, 7 and 0, something like that. But I think the effect of what he's doing uh, is real. I think people are going to, and, and again, everything that he does, like you saw Ryan Day freak out after Ohio State won. You saw Dan Lanning uh, with Oregon say, we don't want clicks while he invites the cameras in to his... At, at uh, Oregon, where know. they wear a different uniform every single week. <laughs> yeah, you're seeing... So somebody has come in, because everybody, like, it's always recruiting in college. It's Everything is recruiting. You're always trying to get out an image to fellow recruits. And then Dion comes it in this way that has completely been different than anybody else, just a little more louder, a little more aggressive. But college football is loud. College football is a loud 
sport, and Dion is embracing that. And now you're seeing other people try to, like, do it. And some people it comes off a little natural for. And then some people, like Ryan Day, it's like, why are you yelling at a 90-year-old man, dude? Settle down. So it's very weird. I think that what, what, who it's resonating with, you know, there's a lot of people on couches that don't like this. There's a lot of people, like, old school, they don't, they don't like this. It's resonating with kids that are thinking about, where should I go play college football? Where can I get eyeballs? Where can I get NIL money? That's Colorado. So I think the program will continue to get better. And then once they hit, like, a level of success, it'll be a, a national kind of – like, it, it's still big. There's still a lot of celebrities there and everything. But it's not at the height it was a couple of weeks yeah. ago. I think it can return to that. Now it's got to be a little more substance than just style. Bart, appreciate it, man. Always great content, and uh, have a good Saturday night. You too, Toby. I miss you. Have a good one. All right, see you, Go Bart. <laughs> you heard from Bart Winkler on the BetQL Guest Hotline. Bart Winkler joined us on the BetQL Guest Hotline. Sports betting has come to Maryland, but don't place that first bet without checking with BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting opportunities. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visiting BetQL.com. So I want to keep it with college football. We will get into some commanders talk coming up at the 4 o'clock hour. But I want to keep it with college football because Joel Klatt had something very interesting to say during this Colorado-USC broadcast. We'll play that for you coming up next and give our thoughts next on Overtime, 106.7 The Fan. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, 106.7 The Fan. Let me say, it's getting interesting out there in Boulder. 48-34, to USC had the ball deep in Colorado territory. Caleb Williams got sacked. And then USC missed a field goal. About two minutes left, two-touchdown game. Colorado driving. Looks like they just got a penalty, but they're moving the ball. Maybe cut it to a one-possession game. But the reason I think this game is interesting, obviously all the Coach Prime stuff and going around and you saw a bunch of scouts are there and Part of me is like, they're not there for Colorado. Maybe they want to see Shadur Sanders and see if he's real or not, which he's looked pretty decent today. But they're there to see Caleb Williams. And it's pretty obvious that I think this guy is going to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. But on the broadcast, Joel Klatt had an interesting thing to say. Here's what he had to say. Caleb Williams is the best player in college football. Number one overall pick. I don't think there's any question. I think he, he would probably upgrade 18 NFL teams next week. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, think about that, right? This is what I was just referencing. Six incompletions, six touchdowns. 
But Gus, you have, you have to think of it this way. Everyone keeps saying, like, you can't, you know, it's always, it's hyperbole. It's the greatest. No, no, no. Let me tell you why. There's about five areas that a quarterback has to be really good. You've got to be great with your mind. You've got to have arm talent, good in the pocket. You've got to be a threat with your legs, and you've got to be able to create. Those are the kind of the five areas on, on the wheel that I would evaluate on. He's the only guy I've ever evaluated that is great to elite in all five categories. Everybody else has had a hole in that wheel somewhere. And and no, I know it sounds crazy. And Mike, you can hop in here, dude. I know it sounds crazy. He said 18 teams. And I just went through and I put a list together. I looked at the standings, just figured out quarterbacks. And I could only come up with six guys I definitively definitively would say their team would not take Caleb Williams over their quarterback. Now, there are some you can throw in there. Maybe if you want to throw Kirk Cousins in the mix, I don't know. Maybe if you want to throw, I didn't include Tua, but if you want to include Tua, go ahead. But Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, and Lamar Jackson. Am I missing anyone? Like, I feel like maybe if you want to throw in a couple more guys, but he said 18, and at first I thought that's a little bit crazy for him to say. That might be lowballing it. Like, Caleb Williams is a spectacular prospect. And I feel like if you look through the NFL and you look at the quarterback situations, like are the Browns taking Caleb Williams or Deshaun Watson? I think they might take Caleb Williams. Pittsburgh's obviously taking Caleb Williams. The Jets, okay, they'll probably take Aaron Rodgers when he comes back, but they're obviously taking him over Zach Wilson. But even some good teams, like... I think that there are would you take Caleb Williams over Dak Prescott? I would. You taking you taking Caleb Williams over Daniel Jones, especially for the money, one hundred percent. So I think that when you look at this guy, he's clearly the number one overall pick, but I know it sounds crazy, but I almost feel like he's short selling him a little bit. Am I crazy, Mike? No, the dude's an absolute dog. He's definitely the best prospect I've potentially seen in my lifetime. We're similar in age. Um Undoubtedly, number one overall pick. Yeah, I, I'm leaning. Yeah, probably like 20 teams that that I would say would take him over their current starting quarterback. I'm just looking at the list right now too, and kind of just putting together my list. Yeah, I mean, it, there's not many that I'm saying like definitively. I'm keeping my guy. There's some guys that fit perfectly in a system, so maybe you don't want to mess that up. Like, you know, a Brock Purdy with the Niners. Is Caleb Williams better? Yes, but what do you want to mess up what you got going? Maybe not. You know, you think of. Obviously, like I said, with the Dolphins, I think Tua is the perfect quarterback for that system with Mike McDaniel. All right, well, then probably don't want to upset the apple cart. Just stick around with Tua. But other teams, like, you can build around a guy like Caleb Williams. And that's why, you know, people are putting this out there and people are commenting on that clip from Joel Klatt. And I sometimes they'll say crazy things on the broadcast. I don't think that's all that crazy. And I think it just shows you how important the quarterback position is because this is a guy that, you know, Sean Payton before the season was talking about whoever gets this guy, other teams are going to complain they want a draft lottery. You know, that's what they're going to say because they want to have the opportunity to draft a guy and they can change a whole franchise. I mean, think about the difference. There's a lot of external factors when it comes to developing quarterbacks and changing cultures and becoming a better football team, all those things. I understand that. But think about the difference if this team would have had the opportunity to draft number one overall in 2020 and took Joe Burrow as opposed to Chase Young. Just think about the difference. And think about the difference in Cincinnati when Joe Burrow took over. A quarterback can just change so much. And so Caleb Williams coming into the NFL next year, 
I think is absolutely going to just change the course of whatever division he goes into because he's instantly going to be going to become one of the best quarterbacks in the division. And I, I think it's crazy that, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Bears in a little bit, just looking around the NFL and some stuff that Chase Claypool had to say. But I think it's crazy. Maybe there wasn't a guy that was a Caleb Williams type in this this past draft, the Strouds or Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. Maybe they didn't really like those guys like you could like with a Caleb Williams, and who knows with how they're going, maybe they'll pick number one overall again. But I think people forget, for whatever reason, that they were picking number one overall and traded that pick and stuck with Justin Fields. And I think when you have the opportunity, unless it's an injury, you can't stick with your quarterback when you have the number one overall pick because that means you were the worst team in the NFL. And this is why I think it's interesting for the commanders, too, if you want to look at it from this viewpoint. Caleb Williams is very clearly the number one guy. No doubt about it. And like we said, there's a majority of teams in the NFL right now that would say, like, if I could trade my current quarterback and a bunch of picks and get Caleb Williams, I would do that right now. I think there are a bunch of teams that would do that. But there are also a bunch of teams that would do a lot for Drake May that would do something for maybe Shadur Sanders. Like, there are a lot of guys. Riley Leonard, you're going to see him tonight. Duke against Notre Dame, a big game tonight. College game day, first time in Durham at at Duke's campus. So you're going to see a lot of guys coming out this year that this is why if I'm feeling, if I'm Ron Rivera, if I'm the commanders, maybe not Ron because Ron's kind of on the hot seat. But if I were in charge of the commanders, this is why I'd be like, Sam Howell's starting all 17 games. You know, unless... He gets hurt, he gets dinged up, and Jacoby needs to step in. Sam Howell's starting all 17 games. Why? If he's bad, well then, I get one of these quarterbacks. And if he's good, well then I know I don't have to draft one of these quarterbacks. And that's why I think Sam has this big opportunity ahead of him. And he has to be a good quarterback. Because say you're in the same spot again this year, and you're drafting in the middle of the first round. If there are as many good quarterbacks as it looks like there might be in this upcoming draft, it's not just going to be one or two. It's going to be a handful of guys that are going to be first-round caliber. You would think that you could move up and get one of these guys. And so I think this is why you just let it play out. Now, this is why it gets interesting with Ron, because does Ron have the luxury of letting it play out? Maybe not. But I think in the best interest of the team long-term, this is why Sam Howell should start all 17 games. Now, with all due respect to the other quarterbacks in this upcoming draft class, like there's Caleb Williams, and then there's like a pretty big drop off. Like I feel like Caleb Williams, you know, don't want to jinx him. I feel like he's a lock to be a great NFL quarterback. Whereas the other guys are kind of like, you know, Drake May does look good, Shadur Sanders, but you're also kind of rolling the dice because you don't know if they're, you know, going to be great in the NFL. Yeah, and the real Telly just tweeted at me and said, "Would you take Caleb Williams over Sam Howell?" And I say this with utmost respect to Sam Howell. I met him over at Nats Park a couple weeks ago. Unfortunately for me, Sam Howell has thrown zero touchdowns and four picks since I have shook his hand. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it's not my fault. Hopefully I didn't, you know, do the Monstars thing and steal all of his talent because I haven't thrown a football that much since. So maybe I've got the the wing going now. Maybe I need to try out. Yeah, maybe during commercial break in a couple minutes <laughs> we're going to throw the football around here. But he tweeted, "Would you take Caleb Williams over Sam Howell?" And one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And like I said. There's maybe eight guys in the NFL, maybe eight, that I would say if I had the opportunity to take Caleb Williams, I would choose this guy instead. And it's the Patrick Mahomes of the world. It's the Josh Allens of the world. It's the dudes that you already know 
are top eight, top seven QBs in the league, guys that have won MVPs, guys that have won Super Bowls, guys that have gone to the championship games already. So, yeah, I'm absolutely taking Caleb Williams, and it'd be cool if he could come here. I don't think there's any chance this team is going to be bad enough to be in the upper, be in the spot. Because the other thing about this is you can go out there and create the greatest package of all time. You could say, I'm going to give you my first-round picks as long as he plays in the league. You know how many teams would say no to that still? <laughs> you know, like This is a guy that you're going to have to just mortgage everything possible, and teams still probably wouldn't do it. Because you're going to have an opportunity to get your generational quarterback that you can keep for 15 years. And I don't like the comparing guys to all-timers. Like The comparison you see when you watch USC and the comparison that you hear all the time is Patrick Mahomes. I don't like doing that to Caleb Williams. One, because Caleb Williams is his own quarterback. And two, you put an unrealistic expectation on a guy where Patrick Mahomes, you could argue right now, is the greatest quarterback to ever live. And you're expecting him to be that. That's why I feel like it's a little bit crazy that happened with Wembenyama and some of the hype around him. But at the same point, when you watch Caleb Williams, you can see the comparisons and you can see why people say these things. And it's because he's spectacular. Today, six touchdown passes. And he's confident in the pocket. He's moving around. Got a cannon for an arm. And so that's why I think it's so interesting. And when I heard that clip, you know, I was watching the game in here in the studio when I saw that clip, I was like, well, is he being a little bit hyperbolic? And I just don't think he is. I don't think Joel Klatt was. I, If anything, he undersold him. It's just crazy to think about. All right, I want to get into some of the Commanders game. I went back and watched the game back yesterday, and I looked at the sacks. I looked at the interceptions, and I tried to give the appropriate amount of blame to each party. I gave a percentage. I gave a number to each party. We'll talk about that next. Who was the most at fault for the Saxon interceptions last week? We'll talk about it next here on Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. Welcome back, 106.7 The Fan. Toby Altizer with you here up until Nationals Baseball coming up around 645. We'll turn it over to Charlie and Josh Wetzel down in Atlanta. But I want to talk about last week before we get into preparing for this week. But last week, nine sacks, four picks, obviously completely unacceptable from Sam. But who's really to blame? Was it coverage sacks? Was it offensive line problems? Was it Sam? Was it the play call and EB? Guys just aren't open. I went through and watched back and went through every single sack. I went through the interceptions and tried to figure out with my own untrained eye. I'm not a professional. Like I don't I can't give you perfect film breakdowns. I didn't play offensive line. So take it for what it's worth. But I went through and gave a percentage blame after I did my point system, all these things. And my first thought was the offensive line was horrendous last week. Like when I went back and watched the the second pick and the third pick in particular. So the second pick is the check down in the flat to Gibson. Micah Hyde comes up and picks it. Third pick, down inside the red zone. Sam tries to throw it to Curtis Samuel. Tredavious White undercuts it, picks it off. So my first thought after seeing those plays, after I'd rewatched the game last Sunday when I got home, was, okay, offensive line was the big problem. 
clearly the O-line is holding Sam back. Obviously, Sam has to get rid of the ball. He's culpable as well. But seeing those two plays, I thought, okay, the offensive line didn't help him at all. And the reason I thought that, second interception, the one to the flat, a basic four-man blitz. They bring a linebacker off the left side, drop the right end out, and in turn, miscommunication protection. Sam said as much in his postgame presser, said he didn't expect a guy to be free. There was a guy free, and he ends up having to loft it because the guy's in his face right away. And so ends up being picked off. So I was like, okay, that's clearly on the offensive line. Sam can't make the throw. Sam can't just compound a mistake by throwing an interception. I get all that. But that throw, that interception, probably mostly needs to go to the offensive line. The The third pick, the one that Tredavious White undercuts, Curtis Samuel's route. Curtis Samuel's running a chair route, out and up, and he's pretty much open, if you go back and watch. He's open. And if Sam can step into the throw and let it rip, it's not a Heineke thing where Heineke at times would have guys open, but he just didn't have the arm strength to get it there. And I think if Heineke's in that same spot, I think it's probably the same result, even if he has a clean pocket, because Heineke just doesn't have elite arm strength. Sam does. And so Sam could have probably driven that ball up towards the end line of the end zone, and Curtis was open in that sense because he'd already beaten him with leverage. He's inside. There wasn't a safety help on the inside. So if he just drives it straight up the right up the seam there to Curtis Samuel, then Curtis catches it, touchdown, and then they're back in that ball game. But instead, what happens is Leonard Floyd just destroys Andrew Wiley. Just absolutely destroys him. And what he does, comes off the edge, takes one step in like he's going to have a stunt, and then comes back out, and Andrew Wiley never touches him. In turn, Sam's winding up. He gets hit. Ball flutters. I mean, I th- I think you could just see that that ball from Sam clearly didn't have the regular velocity that you're used to seeing out of Sam Howell. And so he gets beat pretty bad there. And <laughs> honestly, if you go back and look, Wiley looks like he got crossed like it was prime Allen Iverson. Like, it was bad. And he's looking inside, and here goes Leonard Floyd around the end or Lawson or whoever it was going around the end and ends up in a pick. And so my initial thoughts when I went into this, you know, you have thoughts after watching a game. My thoughts were, okay, the offensive line was not very good. It's clearly the line's fault. Sam needs to get rid of the ball, but if we were to give it a pie chart, I would say that a majority goes to the offensive line. And what's crazy is I went back and watched it, and that is not the case. The offensive line was not good. They're still going to get quite a bit of blame, but Sam needs to improve. Sam has to get the ball out. Sam has to help the offensive line. And I think this falls on the enemy as well. Run the ball to help him out. Don't make it so that you're dropping back 40, 45 times a game. You want to know how you can limit sacks? Don't give them opportunities for sacks. You know, stop throwing the ball more than you're running it. I'm not saying that they need to be, you know, 50-50. I still think it's 60-40 pass to run. But they need to run the ball more. Brian Robinson was effective. They need to run the ball. They need to find ways to get the ball out quicker. And EB deserves some of this blame as well because there were times where you'd get to the top of the drop with Sam, you'd pause the screen, like I'd heard someone on, I believe, Grant and Danny's show talking about how he would help Sam Howell out. 
You get to the two-and-a-half-second mark, two-second mark, when Sam's hitting his back foot on his drop, you hit the pause button, you look around, and no one's open. So some of it does belong to EB. But I've got the whole blame chart figured out. I've got my percentages. I've got my points on all the sacks. And we got the interceptions. We're going to break it all down next because I thought I would go in thinking that the offensive line was just horrendous. Wasn't good by any means, but a lot of the blame goes on Sam. We'll talk about that next year in Overtime 106.7 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 